You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. The only participants in this January effect are probably going to be resource speculators unless the stock market begins to roll over and we finally get some generalist interest in this sector. That's what we need because we've been basically trading amongst ourselves. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm Bill Powers, and this is our end of the year 2021 check-in with David Erfley of JuniorMinerJunkie.com. He's been speculating in junior mining stocks for two decades. And David, I know that you have a very systematic guided approach with principles that you've created and rules that self-govern how you do this. But uh, you know, this was a difficult year, especially in regards to tax loss selling, which it seemed like half of the year was tax loss season. So right. I'm just curious, what did you learn most this year or what new guideline or rule did you add to your uh, governing principles? Okay, well, first of all, thanks again for having me on. It's always great to talk to you and your audience. Um, the biggest lesson I learned, you know, I've, I've, I've experienced these tax loss episodes in the past, you know, and I'm had a set of rules. I'm, I'm not going to buy something until it does this. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to start uh, getting into this until it does that, things like that nature. And um, since the tax loss selling, you know, I've been saying this ad nauseum for the past few months began in mid June. When when the when the Federal Reserve started talking about talking about tapering, that's that was the cue for a lot of these people that 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 had huge losses in that that had huge losses in their mining stocks and their juniors that that they previously chased price and made and made big mistakes started to sell. So since it started so early, I figured it would end early. So when we had that when we had that move last time I was on your show and I said, well, we should we should start to take off when the gold price has a weekly close above 1850. And we had that weekly close above 1850 and the gold price hung up there for a little while and the 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 stocks popped off a low and uh, a lot of these juniors had had nice moves. I figured, okay, the tax loss selling looks like it's ended early. Lo and behold, it turned out to be yet another bull trap and a series of of, of bull traps and bear traps during this during this consolidation. I mean, there's you know both sides have been whipsawed out of positions. Um, on December first, we had a huge uh, downside reversal in the mining uh, sector, and that's when tax loss selling really ramped up. So. Um, basically, what I learned is, is tax loss selling can go on longer than you think, even when you might believe that it's ended a little early. <laughs> That's kind of similar to that. The market can stay irrational longer than you can, say, than solvent. You can stay solvent. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I learned that lesson a long time ago in this sector. That's why I have those rules that you are, are referred to at the beginning of the, of the podcast here. Okay. So I got to hit you with one more, I guess. Negative question before we get positive. What was your biggest loser? Come on, we, you know you have winners, but in this game you have oh. losers. Can you share a little bit about your biggest loser and what you learned there? Yeah, I think it was Falco, Falco Resources. You know they've they've got this you know fantastic management team. You know the Cisco management team. They built the you know the the Malarctic mine. You know um, they're, they're in a great jurisdiction. They've got all this infrastructure. It's a you know it's a it's a huge brownfields project. They're gonna they're building this state of the art mine. Um, they had a bit of cash at the time, and I and you know I figured okay this is a good time to get into this. And I don't remember when it was, but um, 
but there was just no progress on the ground at all. Um, and, uh, the stock just continued to drift lower and lower and lower. And I waited around a little longer than I usually wait to sell something. And I, I sold it at a 25% loss as opposed to a 20% loss. Cause that, that's my rule. If something goes down 20% and, um, it's, and the, and the sector is not in a bottoming process, I will go ahead and, and sell it, take the loss and move on. And that's one I, I did not do. <laughs> okay. Your biggest winner of 2021 now. Biggest winner of 2021. Um, well, I had a few. Um, the first one was, these were early. Um, the first one was uh, Monarch Resources. They, they've, you know, they spun out a company, Monarch Mining, and they were, they were bought out by uh, Yamana. Um, then there was um, um, Taranga Gold. They were bought out by Endeavor. Um those were those were nice winners for me, you know, three, four times, three, three, four baggers, something like that. You know, um, I was fortunate and I took a lot of profit at the beginning of the year. And unfortunately, that's where most of my profit came from was at the beginning of the year. You know, I, I had these rules and and um, I even though the sector has been, you know, extremely volatile since, you know, I, I began a portfolio again in in. Um, Q1 of 2016, a, a junior portfolio, I've averaged realized gain returns of 22% each year. You know, uh, I've had, I've had, I've had really good years of paper gains that, that, that were not taken. And some of them fell by the wayside. And that was this year. And this year I had a lot of paper gains to beginning at the beginning of the year. And a lot of those paper gains fell, did fall by the wayside. Uh, but my rules have kept me in in profit through the through the bull phases and the bear phases since since uh, the portfolio was, was began in Q1 of 2016. Torque Resources is an exploration company establishing a portfolio of premier copper gold early stage projects in Chile. Torque's management and technical teams have a strong track record of raising capital, discovery, and monetization of exploration successes. The company's Margarita Copper Gold project is located within the prolific coastal Cordillera Belt in Chile, which hosts some of the world's largest and most profitable copper mines. The Margarita project possesses excellent discovery potential for a major copper discovery due to the strength of the alteration system, large-scale magnetic targets, and the presence of copper oxide mineralization. Drilling is anticipated to begin in Q3 of this year. Torque trades in Canada under T-O-R-Q and on the OTC under T-R-B-M-F. To learn more, go to torqueresources.com. That's torqueresources.com. Dave, what about investor sentiment? When I get a lot of feedback, primarily through YouTube comments, where people will comment on videos over the last five years that I've published, and they'll they'll come to me today, I'll read it, and it's just ultra negative. I think it's the most negative uh, gold sentiment comments that I've seen in five years of doing this. And they're comparing to what we've seen in the last year, right, as things have pulled mm -hmm. back. But you were saying to me earlier, though, if you compare backwards to where we were previous, we're actually in a decent place right now. Absolutely. We're, we're in a very good place here. I mean, if, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that gold was going to gold, gold price was going to end at 1800 and yet the GDX was going to end around 41, I would have laughed you out of the room yet. Here we are, you know, um, basically the GDXJ is trading at an area where it, la where it last traded consistently when gold was about $1,500 an ounce. 
you know, gold, the, 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 the area that is trading now was strong resistance when gold was attempting to break out, you know, for, for years above 1400 and then it finally broke out. And, um, the GDXJ got to around this level, maybe a little higher and, uh, started to go down again. Uh, but the gold price was a lot lower than 1800. And also, um, if you, a, a good comparison, a better comparison for the climate right now is the comparison of late 2015. Because in, in late 2015, you kind of had the same situation where you had the Federal Reserve was talking about hiking rates, talking about hiking rates for the longest time. And um, the, gold, the, the, the gold stocks began to bottom around September after, after the, a very, very brutal bear market. You know, when you which saw the GD the GDX go down 80%, 85% in like four years. So that bottom was being created before the Fed actually announced a rate hike. And when they finally announced that rate hike, a, a few weeks later, I'll, I, I, I even remember the day, it was January 17th, where the gold stocks um, made after making a, a six-month flat bottom had this huge spike lower where it broke that support and it did a sharp reversal on that day. And it didn't look back and went up like 160% in six months. Now, is that going to happen again next, you know, this next January? I don't see something like that happening again. No, but I see what comparably speaking, what the Fed did was they announced a change in policy, a major shift in policy. And that's what they've just done recently at their September at their December meeting in in 2021 as well. They've they've announced a, a major shift in policy. You know, all these other central banks are you know the EU is, has been at negative rates since 2014. They can't even talk about you know uh, uh, you know easing up on their QE, let alone raise rates. And here's the Federal Reserve, you know uh, you know um, increasing their tapering, saying they're going to wrap it up by March and they're going to start increasing rates and the market is priced in, you know, three rate hikes starting to price this in. Meanwhile, the gold price is, is, is in an uptrend. It's actually, you know, you wouldn't look, you wouldn't think of it, it being in an uptrend, looking at the gold stocks and what they've done, but the gold price has been in an uptrend since it made that spike low at 1675 in August in the overnight market holiday trading where there was hardly anybody trading. And, um, you know, they, they took advantage of the situation. The shorts took advantage of the situation to run the stops and run it down to 1675. But that was a spike low. It was immediately bought up. And the gold price since that time has made a series of higher highs and higher lows. And, and, um, the, but if you take a look at, at the gold stocks, they're not, they haven't been reflecting that because they've had, in my opinion, the worst tax loss selling climate I've ever experienced in my 20 years in the sector. I've never seen tax loss selling this bad. And there's a few reasons for that. Uh, but the biggest reason for that is the S&P 500 today looks like it's going to make its 70th all-time high this year. You know, why would I mess around with these gold stocks that are risky? The gold price has gone nowhere this year. It's traded in this tight range basically for nine months. It's traded in a tight range of $100. $17.50 on the bottom, $18.50 on the top. We've had bull traps above it. We've had bear traps below it, but it's maintained inside that, inside that tight structure for, a long, for, for nine months. In the, in the meantime, every other sector keeps going higher 
And if you take a look at the volume on the GDX and the GDXJ, it's drifting lower and lower and lower. It's apathy has creeped into the sector, you know, but at the same time, all these other, all these other investors that chased price, which you never do in the sector, you know, in the junior sector, you don't chase price. You wait for weakness, you know, and to, to buy weakness. All these people that, that came into the sector, not really knowing what they're doing, they saw a hot sector and they jumped into it. For the past two years, if they chase price, they've sold for tax loss. And that tax loss selling is wrapping up in Canada today. And it wraps up in the U.S. on Friday. So it'll be interesting to see because every January, you know, we usually have a nice run in, in the gold space. And this year, I expect uh, an even better run because basically, you know, everybody that's that anybody of size that that, that was going to sell has sold for tax loss here. And that includes a, a lot of these high quality juniors. You know, I've you know, I've I've accumulated a, a, a bunch of companies for the past few months some of them I got in early, too early. Some of them I got in early and was rewarded for it. Some of them I got in too early. But I do have more cash to add to those or and maybe even add one more position before uh, the January effect takes hold, which I think will we'll we'll at least have a sharp bounce in January. What's going to happen after that bounce remains to be seen. But um, it's, it's, it's a good time. To, to basically get into the right companies right now to hold for a long period of time and maybe take some profit off the table if you do get that bounce, then you feel more comfortable holding your core position of that company for a longer period. Okay, so your confidence in the, the January bounce that we expect, uh, what happens beyond that, we don't necessarily know. But with all this exhaustion of sellers that you've talked about with six months of tax loss selling, I mean, this is more of a coiled spring. If you're going to gamble on just the seasonality of January and February, where you can right. usually make 50 to 100% in these miners, you know, yeah. just in that short period of time, it's probably more of a coiled spring than in your previous 19, 20 years of doing right. this, Dave. Is that exactly. what you, Exactly. But a caveat to this is the only participants in this January effect are probably going to be resource speculators unless the stock market begins to roll over and we finally get some generalist interest in this sector. That's what we need because we've been basically trading amongst ourselves, you know, ever since the gold price topped out and it, you know, the, the, the generalist investor ran away from this sector at the beginning of the year. You saw it. You saw it happen at the beginning of the year when, right when. Remember when? I remember it. You, when this year, when January started, we had the first week. We had a nice move, right? And you know, fortunately, I, I took a lot of profit during that week. And ever since then, it's been slowly drifting lower, lower. And I think that's when a lot of those retail investors got out of the sector. Got it. You, uh, you know how you always say it's just us gold bugs trading amongst ourselves. And I have an anecdotal story to that. Uh, a few months ago, I sold some shares of a company. And then I got an email that someone said, I bought shares of this company today at such and such price. And then I looked at my account and I'm like, I sold you those shares. <laughs> it wasn't a lot, but it's just an anecdotal story. Like to your point that like you almost know the people you're selling to at this point. Right. But it's a powerful point. If we're going to have a, a, a strong move in January, February, and beyond, we don't just need a pop in the gold price. We need the general market turnover 
so that we get an influx of new buyers because that's what we're lacking. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't think that's going to happen until I know last time I came on your show, I said a weekly close above 1850. I was obviously wrong. That was a bull trap. <laughs> um, I don't, I, now I'm looking at 1900 gold on a monthly close. I think that will get some, some generalist interest in the sector. I mean, it's funny. We, we had on Fed Day on, on December 15th, you know, we had that huge reversal in the, in the miners. You know, it's it sold, you know, the miners. It's funny. I told my subscribers, you're going to see the miners selling, 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 selling into Fed Day. And uh, a few weeks even prior, I said, we might even have a chance of a double bottom in the GDX and the GDXJ and silver. And so far, that looks like that might be a possibility. But on that day, we had, when you had that huge reversal and um, you saw um, that the NASDAQ that day was down about 2%, I think. But Newmont had this huge spike. This, it ended the day with this big, huge white candle. And that is sector, I think that you saw a little bit of sector rotation that day. I'm going to take some of my high-priced tech stocks and put a little bit into this gold stock. You know, it's the it's the largest, most liquid gold company on the planet. And I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna rotate out of my of my ridiculously overvalued tech stocks and put it in put it just put a little bit into into gold stock. I think you saw that that day. And Newmont, by the way, continues to go up um, ever since then. So you're starting to see just a tiny bit of it, and it doesn't take much. You know, this sector is tiny. I mean, if you take the entire market cap of the mining sector, it's like $687 billion. That's it. So, you know, a big hedge fund puts a little bit of money into, into, into the mining space. You know, that's, that's going to create a big move. And all it takes is, you know, this to start happening for the pendulum to finally swing, you know. And that's what we've all been waiting for. You know, we've, you know, uh, it's funny. And I, I alluded to this earlier in this conversation. I, I, I said that, that this, this consolidation process and consolidation processes, especially in the gold market, can be extremely frustrating. And this one has been extremely frustrating. You've, I mean, if you're a trader and you're trying to trade bullion, you know, you've been, you've seen a series of bull traps and bear traps to get you out of position. So they just, you know what? I'm out of it. Why do, why do I bother with this sector when everything else is going up? So this apathy has seen, you know, is, is seen with the, the volume of the shares going lower and lower and lower and lower. It's like, you know, I was taught, you know, to, to, to buy value and never sell a dull market. And the, 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 the mining sector now is the dullest market on the planet, but it's also the most undervalued. I mean, you've got mining stocks trading it you know, five to seven times cash flow, and you've got S and P stocks trading at fifteen to twenty times cash flow. Um, and you know, with with, at, with gold at eighteen hundred dollars, these these miners are making a lot of money, even with no inflation. You know, is eating into their profits. That's true. You know, all in all, in sustaining costs have, have risen from like ten sixty to eleven thirty in the past quarter. Um, so you know, their margins are getting squeezed a bit, but there's still a lot there. You know, at eighteen hundred dollar gold. Dave, uh, final thoughts. Overall, you're positive for gold bulls in 2022, would you say? Yes, a lot more positive than I was at the beginning of last year, because beginning of last year, we had just made this huge top. We were extreme overbought. You know, everybody and his brother was talking about gold. Now it's the exact 
opposite. Nobody cares about gold. Nobody cares about gold stocks. I mean, that's when you accumulate, you know, not on margin and you have, you know, patience and you have a longer time frame. And because we know eventually, you know, the gold price is going higher. We just don't know if it's going to if it's going to have one more final washout before it does. Dave, your website is juniorminerjunkie.com and there's slots open for your subscription service, which you limit to 500, I would assume, right? Yes. Plenty of space now. Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> it, tra- it tracks gold sentiment, as we often point out. But uh, Dave's service is very educational. Uh, you don't only get to look over a shoulder and see what he buys and sells. He tells you, by the way, what he buys, uh, what he's going to buy the day before he buys it. And he tells you before he's going to sell. And he explains to you why. So if you're a newer speculator, there's a lot of educational value, not just giving you stock picks. Yeah, so you get the stock picks but you get the education along the way. So it's like, here's a fish, but I'm going to teach you to fish. Uh, would that be an accurate description, Dave, of Absolutely. what you do? Absolutely. I try to teach my subscribers how to fish. And I, I think I've been successful in doing so. I get a lot of cancellations that, are, that thank me and say, saying, thank you for teaching me how to, how to, how to trade and to try to, how to invest in this sector. I think I could do it on my own now. And that's, and that's my goal. I want to teach people how to do this. Um, and, um, also want to say thank you very much for having me on every month. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and the happiest of new years to, to all your subscribers be safe and be positive, uh, because the best time to be positive in this sector is when everybody else is negative. Excellent. Well, happy new year to you, Dave, and we'll catch you in the new year. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts it might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.